Yo, what's up, y'all? It's another week of Off the Hustle. And to start off this week, we have a great treat for you guys. Today, this episode is going to be an impactful conversation between Jared, myself, and a special guest, a good friend of ours, Nick Harris. This man has been through so much of a journey, a great journey, if I may say, of traveling the world, growing a family, and becoming his own man through unconventional routes, and really just doing what he has to do to get the job done. So if you would, follow Off The Hustle on this conversation, enjoy the ride, and make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Peace. Are we recording? Yeah, we recording. Okay. So, I just want to say, <laughs> hey everybody, of course we are recording. Welcome to another episode of Off The Hustle. Of course, this is Jared. Yo, what's up y'all? This is Amari. And we have the honor today of having with us, oh man, it's hard to put into words everything that this man has done. Because you'll see in this episode, he's had a path that a lot of people, we call it the path less taken, but I feel like it's the path with the most knowledge. Yeah, man. And honestly, I would say this from, this is also another friend that we, um, we have the pleasure of meeting while we was all in college. And since then, you know, from the stories that he's been able to capture through his various lists of travels, the just his own life journey of being able to take unconventional routes, of you know doing what he has to doing what he has to do to you know figure things out his own way. And some people may think you know after you hear this episode or as you listen to this episode and you hear him tell his story. You may think like it may make you want to think back on some of the decisions that you made and seeing that taking a risk sometimes is actually worth the taking because with that you can be able to figure out something more about yourself and what tr- what life truly has to bring. Yeah, because I can definitely say that meeting this guy <laughs> has taught me a lot. Uh, I think I met him my sophomore year uh, and you know we were together pretty much every day for like what two maybe three years and he already had years of game and life ahead of me and he was able to just you know help me out and help me navigate so i'm gonna take no no uh longer time to introduce to everybody mr nick harris you hey man after that introduction i honestly don't want to do anything to ruin (laughs) whatever anybody thinks about me (laughs) like That was a perfect introduction, man. I appreciate y'all having me here today, man. Hey, man. Thank you. You got to set the tone real high. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if I open my mouth, now they're going to be like, whatever they said was total bull. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, this guy is a butt. Nah, but it's cool. I appreciate it, man. Everything's likewise, man. Y'all dudes influence me just as much as I influence y'all. You know what I'm saying? Iron sharp is iron. iron. I feel like that's what this whole thing has been. Everything y'all taught me about what I missed out on when I was I had the opportunity to take it, you know what I'm saying? I've learned from that, and then everything I learned or everything I missed out on, I was able to tell y'all, you know what I'm saying, to avoid. So, yeah, it, everything's everything's mutual. It ain't just one-sided. Yeah. Y'all taught me a lot. That's real, bro. And, like, I think when I think about, like, you know, for some of our listeners, you know, pe- people who've been following us since day one, or people, even people who probably this is their first time hearing off the hustle, they may or may not know that, you know, you're a part of, you know, our clique, you know, mm-hmm. Bad Batch. And 
when I think about bad bets, everyone is kind of around like the same age range. You're more on the older side, you know, not too not too far ahead, but mm-hmm. you know, with you being one of the older guys, kind of you know, from that era with a big Chris, you know, you're able to, you know, your wisdom, your, you know, just your experience has helped everyone stay level headed. Even mm-hmm. you know, because when you think about typical uh, friendships at especially in the college days, a lot of people are trying to figure it out as they go, and they don't have the opportunity to really lean on their friends for, hey, wisdom, or hey, let me put you to the side and talk to you right quick. Right. Whereas you was able to do that for me, Jared, and pretty much everyone else within our, within our whole circle. Right. And I look back at it now at what, it's been five or six years since I've all, I know for me, I graduated in 2015, so, and I think Jerry, same year as yeah. well. So I think for us, since we've been out of college, maybe five, six, seven, how many years, we've all been able to really reflect and be like, wow, we actually had it made because, you know, everyone you had some, everyone, uh, either they was younger, older, or right there in the middle, mm-hmm. but everyone was able to rely on each other to help each other make it out of college, but also really have a great time. Right. Yeah, and it, it really helped us. I, I can say from my perspective, it helped mold us more evenly. Because I look at a lot of groups of friends that, you know, were friends when we were in college. And you look at their group, their group kind of hit like a splinter move because everyone had to run off in different directions to find themselves. Yeah. Where in our group, we had you, we had Big Chris, uh, who were a little bit older to say, hey, I know you're going to go do your thing, but hey, steer clear of this because now I've been that way and it don't work or it may not I I know you so you going this way may push you back a little bit instead of pushing you forward try this instead those groups didn't have that so you'll see a lot of them splinter apart and like even uh, recently when we celebrated uh, Big Chris and Erica getting married it was you could see the group get back together and the bond was still there and it wasn't like it left and part of that is due to the fact of you and Chris's guidance really just keeping us like Lack of better words, level headed. Because yeah. sometimes you you think you know everything, but having y'all in our lives showed us, no, nah, we really don't. Right. We don't have it figured out yet. And I kind of want to ask you, uh, from everything you've done, and we're gonna dive into it. Mm-hmm. What has been so far the driving force to help you share wisdom of your path to others? Because it's not just us. You help tons of people. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know. Um, I'm just not a I'm not a stranger to anybody, honestly. So if I go through something, whether I know you or I don't, I'm gonna let you know. You know what I'm saying? Like obviously, you guys are friends, so I'm, I, it's easy to let y'all know. But I never really met a stranger where I didn't want to help somebody. Mm-hmm. And to pinpoint a to pinpoint why I why I share my story, I really I really can't. I really can't pinpoint it. It's just it's just who I am. If I know a way to help you, I'm gonna let you know. It's on you whether you take it. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna let you know, like, hey, I've been through this. This is how it's gonna go. Or this is how it went for me at least. Mm-hmm. Cause I ain't gonna tell you how it's gonna go for you, but this is how it went for me. This is what I learned from it. You know better you do better. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's just it's just on me to it's on it's the responsibility of the person who's been through it before to let the next person know. Yeah, you know and, I kinda, and I kind of think like it starts for I, I kind of think it starts from home, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I've been, you know, we've both been able to, you know, have the pleasure of meeting your family mm-hmm. at different times and, you know, just being able to be around them and see how all y'all, 
you know, um, enjoy each other's presence. And I think it kind of starts from, you know, of course your relationship with your parents, your siblings, you know, and then you, as you got older and created your own family, I think just those lessons that start from the nest has been able to help establish just like those core values that you have established inside yourself. I, I totally agree with that. Like my parents play a big role in how I relate to others or how I interact with others because they help people all the time. I've grown up watching them help other people all the time, selflessly. Like, don't look for nothing in return. They, they always taught me that, either indirectly or directly. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always seen them do something for people mm-hmm. that can't help them. And that's one of my biggest things. I don't want nothing from you. I'm going to help you. Because you're going to pay it forward to the next person. It's a, it's, a big, it's, a big, it's a big mantra to live by. It's a movie that's out called Pay It Forward. You see it, and it's just like, I don't get nothing out of helping you. Yeah. But the fact that I helped you, you're going to help the next person. Because I ain't going to meet the next person. You will. Right? So my parents always taught me that. Just help others. And like, like you said, like they, we have fun. We help other people. You know what I'm saying? We look out for other people. Because a lot of times, somebody didn't look out for us. Yeah. And so it would do a disservice to have that information and not share it to the next person. Yeah, and the funny part is, he's the you the one who introduced me to pay it for it, and I still have your DVD at my house. If you've been looking for it, that's where it's honestly got. Honestly, got I accused Big Chris of having that DVD. <laughs> hey, I would like to publicly. You got it. Yeah, no. I would like to publicly apologize to Big Chris because it was it was recently, we was hanging out somewhere, and we was talking about pay it forward. I was like, you still got my DVD? He was like, I do. I was like, bro, you got it. Like, I gave it to you. He was like, well, I didn't know that. My bad. <laughs> so, so now that you tell me you got it, I do it publicly. Apologize to Big Chris. I did no, it's, tell him. It's I did accuse him of having it. It's sitting in my room right now on top of my PS4. Wow. And you know, I got the picture in the room. Like, that's that's one of the movies I... I don't really live by, like, the movie itself. It, it wasn't a great movie, but the message in it mm-hmm. yeah. is so great. Do something for us, somebody that can't help you. I know. Because if, if I help you and then... Let's say five years down the line. Hey, remember when I, I had looked out for you? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna need I'm gonna need you to do this for me. Yeah. It was not it's not genuine. It's not I don't like that. Yeah, I totally agree. Like that's it's not it's not like it's a, a movie that deserves an Academy Award, but Yeah, I I, 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 I watched it again recently. It, it probably did. I it watched probably, it. Again. Probably, no, you asked about it. Like right when I said, said I, I think my brain was like it clicked it was like nah, nah I think I, I said, watched I think it again recently. Said, like, and it's not the greatest movie that I thought it was. But the message is really all you need. It's, mm-hmm. nah, it's a tear bro. You know, it's a certain yeah. part of the movie where it's like, hey, but what I, happened to him? But I what I got from it is the message, <laughs> right? I'm going to do something, not not just for three people, but I'm going to do something for somebody mm-hmm. because, like I said, if I didn't have it, it doesn't, it doesn't do me a, a service to not give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then if I, if I do something for you, and you're like, damn, Nick did that for me, right? And he ain't even want nothing. You're gonna be motivated to do it for somebody else, yeah. yeah and that's true. really all it takes is doing something for somebody without expecting anything in return. Yeah, and that's just that's just kind of the thing I live by, and my parents do really play a part in that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said it. Yeah, and another thing, because I can I can attest to time when you've helped me, and I'm like, man, I, I I'm one of the people. If I can't pay you back, I tell you, hey. <laughs> <laughs> And it, it's been times when Nick just looked at me and be like, did I ask something back? And I'm like, yeah, hey, you're putting me in a tough situation where I, where I yeah. want to take your help. But then again, to, like you were saying, 
when you pay it forward, you want to help other people. And somebody pay it you. Mm -hmm. So I can remember times where you'd help me a week before, then the next week would come, and I see someone, someone hurting it. And it may not mean nothing big. It's, they can't get a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. And I'm like, you know what? I ain't really that hungry. I bought two just to get two. Hey man, here you go. Yeah, and then and, I, yeah. and then it just comes back around. It, it may not be the next day or the next week. It may be like three years later. Right. It just come back around, and you'll know. Okay, it's all the good I've been doing. Right. Yeah, and if anything, I think the the price of the price uh, that you have to pay is to pay it for it. Like, hey, I'm giving, I'm, re I'm reaching out to you to help you out. All I'm asking for you is to do the same. And it's kind of like the it's just like that unwritten code. Of ethics, you know, just making sure that you actually take the time out to be considerate of others as someone did for you when you was in the point of time of need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we always gonna. It's always gonna be a time when you feel like you're at the bottom. Then it's always gonna feel. You always gonna feel like you're at the top. Yeah. Right. So, like you were saying, I would ask you, yo, y'all want to go get something to eat, and y'all be like, well, well, I didn't ask you if you could pay for it. I asked you, was you hungry? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask you if you could pay for it. Do you want something to eat? Yes or no? All right, come on, let's go. Because I know you're going to be, like you said, with the chicken sandwich. I know there's going to be a time when somebody else can't do it. And you're going to feel like, all right, let me do this for that person. Yeah, because I can't say that one summer when Nick went home, we were starving. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's when that's, that's when cookouts went full throttle. Because it was like, yeah. hey, let's just throw a cookout and get some free chicken. Right. And, uh, yeah, what, what but, year was that? Like summer, summer what? 2011, 2012? Yeah, like 12, 13. Yeah. 12, 13. I don't, don't want to say too much. Cause, you know, people who donated chicken and think it was for everybody are going to find out yeah, that it, 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 yeah, it was going home. <laughs> but... I know we're talking about taking roles less traveled. Mm -hmm. So one thing I do want to touch on, <clears throat> give me a quick brief of some of the roles you've had since graduating uh, high school. Like just a list. Just, high just, school? Just list them off. Yeah, dog. Because people are really going to be like, well, Jobs? Yeah, just, we're talking about just jobs right now. <laughs> we're not even talking about like the end <coughs> stuff. Jobs. I probably worked about 15 jobs since high school. I graduated in 2004. So off the top, <laughs> I worked as a janitor. I worked at. I graduated in 2004 in high school. I worked as a janitor. I worked at Sears Warehouse. I worked at IHOP, Walmart. I worked as a merchandiser. I worked at Grace Bookstore on campus. I worked at uh, Flash Foods on campus at the gas station. Uh, I worked at uh, Aviation Company for about 10 years. That's the longest tenure. Uh, Grady Memorial Hospital, I worked there as a non-emergency transport driver. I've worked at summer camps every summer uh, as a counselor, teaching basketball. Uh, I mean, I'm missing a lot. I worked at TJ Maxx before. I worked at Georgia World Congress Center as a security guard. I worked at where am I at? I worked at I worked at Fish Window Cleaning, cleaning <laughs> yeah. windows. Like I don't know because you went out of order. Like, right, I mean, it's, it's out of order, point, but like, this is like Fish Window Cleaning. I cleaned windows before. Uh, I've done a lot. I've done whatever it took to get whatever I needed. See, and I, the reason I bring that up is I wanted to illustrate to the people who are listening because those who listen know that we kind of document the journey. Mm -hmm. So you can see that you didn't take the traditional, oh, I'm going to 
not the straight direct, I'm gonna go to college, I'm gonna find this one particular job that I wanna work and I'm gonna work that until I hit middle management, then I'm gonna chill. You took a route that really taught you more about yourself and what you're willing to do to get your goal as opposed to the traditional route. But a lot of people don't know what led you to doing it that way. And uh, what were the benefits you see? So for one, I changed my major in college five times. That's it. I, huh? That's it. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I don't know. What the, I don't know what the meter is, but it took me five different tries. So my freshman year, I was a business major because I just I figured I was good at business. I'm good with math or whatever it took to get those grades. Mm -hmm. But after I took them classes, I was like, I'm not. I'm not doing that. My freshman year summer, I was down in Georgia Southern. The Georgian had an ad for. Um, camp counselors in North Northeast US. And some agency was just like, you apply, they'll refer you to a camp. So once I did that my freshman year, I knew that my calling was in coaching and teaching. So I changed my major when I came back to early childhood. Hated that because that was like daycare. I'm not, I'm not a daycare worker. So changed it to middle grades, changed it to high school. But by then I'm in like year four of college, mm -hmm. but not actually, by then I'm in like year two, two and a half, three, and I've already wasted, not, I say wasted, mm -hmm. but I've, I've spent this much time and money. My parents were paying for it out of, out of pocket. Mm -hmm. Oh man. I didn't have any loans. I didn't have any uh, scholarships. My parents were paying for me to go to school out of pocket. Mm -hmm. So for me, it felt like, cause you, once you change the major, you got to start over kind of mm -hmm. to do that prerequisite work and then and then go into the major. So around like year two and a half, three, I'm like, damn, I feel like I done wasted all this time. I don't want to waste no more money. Let me find out what I want to do. Let me stop and find out what I want to do. But I didn't really want to drop out. So a lot of those jobs I just named came from trying to figure it out, like pay for it on my own, working at the restaurants, working at the gas station, working here, there, whatever, trying to pay for it on my own. So I didn't really feel like a failure to drop out completely. And then once I was doing them jobs, them jobs kind of took over what school was supposed to do. So I'm working all the time. I ain't getting these grades because I'm working day and night, literally. And then school is afterthought. I'm just living in Statesboro because it's cheaper. So I ended up dropping out to just recalibrate what it is I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's, so, a, yeah, that's actually commendable. You know, that's commendable for one. Because not many, uh, not many people who actually have the, uh, I want to say luxury, but just say they have the opportunity to have parents who put money to the side or at least have the resources to say, hey, we can send you out to school, you know, take care of for each number of years. Mm -hmm. But also you had, you know, you had a support system that was willing to see you, you know, figure it out and kind of get out the way. I'm just kind of assuming, um, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, forgive me if that's actually incorrect. Like, how was your? Partner? I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't all. Yeah. It wasn't all peachy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I back home. <laughs> I say, yeah. like, they wasn't like, yeah. Oh, look, well, you know, go ahead, take it, take it, take it. Uh, no, no, but at the same time, they were supportive. <laughs> yeah, I will say they were supportive. They didn't agree with it necessarily. Okay. But I mean, it's just a matter of I'm not gonna keep wasting my time trying to figure it out and wasting this money. Yeah. Let me just take. You know what I'm saying, and that's why, and that's why, I was, uh, and that's why I mentioned uh, also add on to you know commendable, but also you know that was 
kind of thing outside the box. Some people may, you know, some people they may stay and try to stick it out while they figuring out. And that's, but you was like, hey, before we even go down, you know, the death road, death valley of, you know, killing the whole opportunity of finishing college, let me pause right quick and see what I can do to to <laughs> before I, mean, I, before the, I revisit yeah, this. And to be totally transparent with you, it was a rough time for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like relationship wise with you know a female I was dealing with. So I'm like struggling to find a calling in school. Mm-hmm. And then this whole little fiasco was going on. So it was like a really dark spot for me. So yeah. it was really a no burning to be like, man. Let me get up out of here. Let me get up out of here. You know what I'm saying? I'm in Statesboro. I ain't doing nothing all day. I'm working. Like I'm working all day. And everybody, I, you know what I'm saying, I know is in class all day. Or they, I can't even go to the rap because I ain't got no fees. I'm part time. You know what, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So. A lot of that was just like, man, let me get out of here. Let me go home. And it's, a lot of people going to look at it as like, oh, it was that moment when you had to step back. But I'd actually look at it just, just from knowing you. I see it more as a late gap year. So a lot of people take the gap year right mm-hmm. between high school and college. It seemed like you had the cognizance to know, hey, right. I'm going to go into this situation. Man, that reading paying off, that was a big word, cognizance. But uh, <laughs> uh, it took the – you actually knew – hey, this isn't going the way it should be going. This doesn't feel like I'm on my path. Let me take some time. And it's not perfect. It wasn't like, oh, this is the exact thought that was going through your head. But you you knew, hey, I need to step back Mm -hmm. and figure out what I need to really be doing because this ain't it. Yeah. And I mean, up until that point, that was the thought process. Like, let me go home, take a semester. It was supposed to be a semester the first time I went home. But now now it's really where the... uh, where we kind of bumped heads at mm-hmm. because they knew it wasn't just going to be a semester type thing. Because once you kind of off and you working a job, it's going to be hard to get back into the group. Mm-hmm. So that was their whole thing with it. Like they were supportive, but they kind of knew that it's going to be hard to get that wheel turning once you were home for a semester. Mm-hmm. You know, don't miss no time. Figure it out. We'll support you in that. But for me personally, I knew my headspace wasn't there, mm-hmm. so I had to go. So, so let me ask what what happened during that time that got you back into college? I had a, I had a son. No, <laughs> no, I had a son. Okay. Like, uh, if, I'm the, if my timeline is like, my, my timeline is right, I was working, I was working at TJ Maxx, and that kind of got old. Like, I'm not, I, I worked there for probably like a semester and a half, mm-hmm. school-wise, and I was like, no, nah, I need to get back in school. So I, I enrolled in Clinton State University which is in Morrow, Georgia, which is about like 30, 40 minutes from here. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I'm going to at least take classes part-time to work towards finishing. And then as I started that, about a year, year and a half, my son was here. And so now, like, the training that I'm, you know, getting back on track, I got to take another break. You know what I'm saying? So I, I to answer your question, that was wrong. I, I, I did enroll part-time just to get the train back on track. But then when my son was born, I had to drop back out. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, and yeah, go yeah. and go work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I got a kid. So, yeah. My personal drive got me back into Clayton State. I enrolled. I did all that. I was doing part-time. Then full-time. But when he came, I dropped back out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, let, and I'm going to ask a little bit different question. Uh-huh. What was the mind space when that happened? When you dropped back out the second time, 
Like, did it feel the same as the first time, or did nah, it have like, a different this, drive? No, because this had a purpose to it. Like, I need to provide at this point. Okay. I got responsibilities. It's not like I'm... Because I, I, already, I already showed myself that I was willing to finish. Like, finishing, finishing was a goal at that point. Like, I'm not just going to be working these nine-to-fives all, all my life. Mm -hmm. So finishing was a goal at that point. But at this point, when he's coming, I need, to, I need to pause. Like, I need to get some things lined up financially or whatever I can do the best that I can to be ready for this human to come into, you know what I'm saying, the world. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's just really what that was. My mind state wasn't really at, like, a feeling like I let myself down at all. Like, I knew I was going to finish once he got to an age where I can get back, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and the reason I wanted to pull that out is because there's a lot of people who are going to listen who went through or are going through a similar situation mm -hmm. and they feel defeated. And it's like, to me, I can say you shouldn't feel that way, but I've never been there. Right. So coming from somebody who has been there and then came back, right. it, it means more coming from you than it would from me saying, hey, just, just, just stand up when I've never been there. Right. It it take a lot. Uh it take it take two things. It take your personal like you you got to want to do it. Mm -hmm. And it also takes uh a responsible partner. Right? His mother, my wife, now it worked because she knew that I wanted to finish, right? She could have been a headache and been like, "Nah, damn school." You need, to, you need to provide. You need to work these jobs. You had your chance. You got a responsibility. Mm -hmm. She could have did that. And I'm not going to say she never did that, but she, she made sure that the end goal was the end goal. If you do go back to school and you're not going to be here, you need to be working towards providing. Mm -hmm. Right? So it takes an understanding between you and the partner, and it also takes your personal drive. So, yeah. yeah. So let's rewind a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because... One of the jobs you did have that you didn't mention that you were a comedian for a while, and to me, technically still are. Uh, comedian. And you, yeah, comedian, and you do blog posts. You got your own website where you. But well, that didn't come until I came to. Georgia I know. Soda. Let me let me let oh, me, let yeah, me work, yeah, brother. My setup is good. Check me out. <laughs> so, and most people may know now what you're working on. One of the things is your your website, uh, building your brand uh, around being you. It's mm -hmm. really what it's around. It's a lifestyle brand. And I want to rewind it a little bit back to your childhood. Gotcha. Looking at everything that you're doing now, is this the vision you had as a child? And what were you like then that's traits that carry all the way forward, even through the rough times? See? My Don't, biggest trait is I'm going to do what I want to do. Mm. If you know me, that's if my parents, they'll tell you. My wife, she'll tell you. I'm going to do what I want to do. Right, mm -hmm. and it's not like a badass mentality. It's a, it's a driven mentality. If I set my mind to do something, if I say I'm gonna do this, I'm not gonna stop until I do it. I may take a couple breaks, I may get a little distracted, but I'm gonna finish that. If that's really what I want to do, mm -hmm. so that's been my whole life. Like since I was young, I'm. If I believe in something, that's what I believe, until you can convince me, and then when you convince me. I'm gonna say, how the hell did you convince me? I don't know if that makes sense, but it's no. just like a. No, no. I, I believe it. so strongly in what I believe that I'm willing to. I'm willing to run that shit till it's dry. If I believe I can be like the biggest comedian in the world, I believe that until you show me different. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. If I believe I can graduate college with a kid and these odd jobs, I'm going to do that until somebody tell me I can't do it. Uh, and that's one of the things I've always respected about you is your internal drive. Mm -hmm. Just me knowing a lot of different people. Your internal drive is one that's like, man, I got to get like Nick. And because when I, no, I, I, it sounds funny, but it's times where I've seen you say, I'm going to do this. And I'm sitting there like, I ain't going to pull that one out. And then like three months later, you see Nick and he's like, told you I was going to do it. And I'm like, hey, that about right. at this point, yeah. I can't even, anytime you say, I'm going to pull this off, I go, I want to see how he do it now. It's not, and, it's and, not. And then with that, I'm not to cut you off, but when I think about it, my parents instilled that in me. This competitive that. nature that I have is my parents. Yeah, I heard yeah. about you and your dad playing basketball. Basketball, it can be anything. My parents made a game out of anything. Literally, anything. Driving home, if, if my mom driving the car, my dad driving the car, who's gonna get home first? Right? And then whoever get home first, mm -hmm. the kids gotta act like they sleep. That's how we got us, that's how they got us to go to sleep. Like, hey, act like y'all sleep. That's how long we've been home. Now we in the bed. They ain't even worried about, you know what I'm saying? They're not even worried about fighting us to get to bed. They made a game out of it. Mm -hmm. If they want us to do something, they made a game out of it. You wanna clean the house? Let's play beat the clock. By seven o'clock at night, I bet you won't have this whole house clean. So I bet you I will. Now the whole house is clean. Gotcha. They would use that, not against us, but they would use games. Now I know that now as a parent. They would use games to kind of mess with us to like get what they needed out of us. And and that's just that's what drove me. Yeah, and it's we crazy. play board games, we play all these games now because growing up we play games all the time. Mm -hmm. And that competitive nature that I'm gonna beat you, I'm gonna do what I can do better than you. That's what I drive. That's what I drive on. If you tell me I can't do something, I bet I will. And it's funny because I first started, like, I'm not a sport. I'm not going to play sports with Nick. He, he got too much height and he <laughs> want to play basketball. There's too much running for me. I'm good. But I started to see it when me, you, and uh, what, two, other, or two, two other guys from the batch, we all did a pageant at the same time. And at first, it was just a fun, hey, we all just going to do this pageant to help out with this sorority and just do some fun stuff. And then out of nowhere, I think somebody said something about, Nick can't win this. And the whole mood of the pageant changed. <laughs> it went from, we all just having fun, to Nick going, no, nah, I'm finna raise the most money. <laughs> and we like, I thought we would just I'm finna raise fun. the most money, I'm finna work out the most, I'm finna do this, I'm, I'm finna... I'm gonna get in the yeah. best shape. Yeah. We was like, Nick, Nick, it's not that serious. It, we, we just trying to get, you know, shirt off worthy. He was like, nah, we going to the gym every morning at 6 o'clock. We doing full workouts. I'm like, oh, Nick, hold on. I got class at 8. We'll be done by 7.30. I'm like, oh. all right. But it started to push everybody in the pageant. Just the way his energy of co competition worked, the least competitive of us went, well, I ain't finna lose to him. <laughs> and, like, and, it's, and it's unique to say that because I remember, I remember witnessing you guys going through that, that period of getting ready for the pageant and actually doing the pageant. It's actually, if not the best pageant that, that year at Georgia Southern, it was um, definitely one of the best. And I watched three guys, or three to four guys who knew each other, who was already friends, push each other to achieve a common goal. Because even though one person ultimately won with, you know, the, with the crown, everyone still won and everyone was still recognized on a high level by the entire campus. And I remember even after that, after that day, so many people were still showing y'all, you know, high recognition, and it actually put, it actually put the batch in a whole another 
you know, on a whole other path. I think that I think that right there is actually what helped the batch become what it is. And you guys end up actually um, getting full deep into comedy and creating the comedy club. I, I remember that. And from there, it was like the the, the competitive level amongst the entire campus, campus in reference to like two organizations had went to another level because of what you guys had did throughout that semester. And I, honestly, I will put that on you and Big Chris because yeah. it was like a random, we all just sitting around hanging out and Nick comes in and is like, yeah, we should do a comedy club. And we like, Nick, we like cracking jokes. We like cracking jokes between us. We good. <laughs> and and it was something about when he came in, it was just an energy he had when he told us, no, we going to do this. And we're like, all right, we'll, we'll hear you out. It's not a we going to do this. We'll hear you out. But when he came to us with the vision that he had for it, he was like, man, we really could just turn this campus upside down by just doing comedy. And he would say, and again, it goes back to, us pointing out your competitive nature when someone would say there's no way y'all can do that Nick wouldn't say ah oh, okay Nick would always go okay we gotta figure out a way to do this and that pushed us even more to raise the level of everything we were doing because at that time the only organizations that was getting recognition was NAACP uh organization for the cause. I'll put it like that. Right. It was more organization, yeah. yeah, organization that had had causes and were trying to help people. And but then you have this one group of what was it like six or seven of us? I think probably so. It started out about six, six or seven. Six or seven. Grew, probably grew to like twelve at the most. And we went from just this ragtag group of oh those are the dudes who joke around on campus to putting on a full fledged comedy show. Uh, I think our first turnout, we filled the entire theater of the Russell Union, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was it was completely off of one part your motivation to do it, and two part just someone who had a vision that gave us a direction to go into. Yeah. So I, I say all of that to say, what was your mindset around that time? Because even then. You by then you had just to catch everybody over the story. You had came back. Uh, we had all met, and there's stuff that happened in between there. Uh, but skipping ahead, because this is what you're coming up on your last year, right before you graduated. Uh, yeah, I came back like 2012. So this is so within that year, we were starting up. And it, I mean, honestly, comedy for me has been three things. It's been a lifesaver. It's been uh, not a drug. What's the what's the word? Like, like it's just my it's my calming point. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just vice. It's like, like a vice. My, my, yeah, my same vice. Yeah, like yeah. I, it's this is just so much for me. I can I can have the worst day, but if I put it on the right movie, it changes your mind. Mm -hmm. I used to watch Comedy View all the time when I was in high school, every night. Just because if you laugh at some point in the day, you had a good day at some point, right? But uh, doing comedy, I ain't never think I was gonna do it until people would be, you know, people would say like, "Ah, oh, you funny. You should do comedy. You should do comedy." But that was the perfect opportunity to do it. Mm -hmm. I'm on this campus. I need something to do to fill my time, right? I can go to class. I can do this, but I need something to say that I made a, I made an impact on this campus because that's the difference between my first stand in college and my second stand in college. The more successful people are, are involved on campus, mm -hmm. and I kind of noticed that. So what is my what is my way in to get involved in campus? I'm down with the purposes of like the NAACPs and the serious stuff, 
but that wasn't me. So that's why I really never got involved with that. So what was missing is the comedy. Yeah. Like people mm -hmm. need to come, they need to have somewhere to hang out, safe, fun, right? That was missing. And there was a club there before. I, I, I didn't just create a club. There was a club there. So I will say that. But the, uh, the president was on his way out. And I was just like, this is perfect. Big Chris, that's a different story, man. It's, just, it's so funny how this happened. I don't even, I, it's a perfect place to tell it, right? Yeah. I'm going to rewind. My first time I was in college, my sophomore year, 2005, I had a class with Big Chris. I sat next to him. Sociology. Why I remember this, I don't know. Like, if you know Big Chris, he, he say some things, and he'd be like, yo, that dude is funny. Like, even in a serious setting of class, he would say some things, I'd be like, yo, this dude is funny. Right? Mm -hmm. And then what turns out, like, uh, his probate was the first probate I went to. I didn't know nothing about fraternity, sorority life, uh, Greek life, or whatever. But these girls were going into the probate, and I was like, what the fuck is probate? And so we went, and his happened to be the first one I ever went to. So never interacting with this dude before. But when I come back to college, he's the guy that gets the comedy club started. So when you talk about purpose and destiny, that's what I truly believe in. Like, you're going to meet the people you need to meet, whether you meet them when you're supposed to or you meet them years later. I could have met him years and years ago, and we could have been friends then. But I never did. I would cross paths with him all the time. Go to parties, see him on campus, whatever, whatever and, and sitting in class with him. But years later, this is the guy I need to talk to to get involved. I, mean, I was involved in Matt when I was a freshman. Mm -hmm. He's the head of Matt when I come back. He's the comedy club guy, or he's the co comedian on campus. So our paths, ha our paths had to cross. And that's what I found like so mind-blowing. So, you know, you get back on campus. Where was I going with this? Get back on campus, start the comedy. Yeah, you, start, you get back on campus. It's like, all right, this is missing. I don't mind taking this, this challenge. All right. I never ran a comedy show before I went back. But, shit, how hard could it be? You get, you get, you find a group of funny people, tell everybody, hey, it's just like, it's like throwing a party. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I definitely, <clears throat> and I've taught, I have friends and family who've gone to college at other universities or other college campuses. And I can literally say, like, Georgia Southern, if you went to Georgia Southern, you were pretty much spoiled. Especially if you went to Georgia Southern, like, in, like, the post-2000 era. Mm -hmm. like, especially, like, after, like, 2010 and going forward. There are so many resources on campus as well as in the local community that supports Georgia Southern that if you have an idea... You can really, if you have an idea, you got the, the willpower to do it, to put the work in and sacrifice. The your your surroundings will support you because there there are legit departments where if you want to create a podcast like today and you go to Georgia Southern University, you can literally go to the radio station and literally sign up, do what you need to do to create a podcast. And if you want to like get into music or work on your craft and music or whatever, they have studios. They got. Uh, music halls, all kind of stuff. Hell, if you, if you're just a regular student and you want to get, a, you tired of eating the same food every day, they got three or four different calves, as well as 
<laughs> like, like legit, like, st- it like was George so was his own joint. To the point that there was a club specifically for playing one video game mm-hmm. on Georgia Southern's campus. For real? Yeah. No, I kid you not. With the aliens and monsters? No, not them. There, yeah, was, that, there that, was, that, was another group. That was the alien monsters. Group. That was actually yeah, kind of scary. Like <laughs> but uh, there was like one organization whose whole thing was centered around. It started like one video game mm-hmm. and it spread to like multiple, but they started the whole group just because they were trying to find mm-hmm. eight or nine people that could get together yeah. and play video games in the in the uh in the in the campus with the huge screen. But that's the how the whole group started. And matter of fact, just to piggyback off of that, they I just found out like earlier last year that they actually have a full like a accredited e um, e game team. So like how you see the guys that play professional um, video games, they actually have a collegiate video game team. Oh, that'd be cool to do in the theater. <laughs> yeah, but but pretty, yeah, just pretty much. That's pretty much. I was just making note of that. It's like I mean, if you yeah. like with the resource that you like for the CGS, you guys came and made that happen. It just shows like for one, you guys had you guys worked together. The teamwork made was definitely key. But also, you was in an area, a, a surrounding area that actually made things available to like just fulfill your dream that's really what that's really what i, I mean, pretty much want to say about honestly guys statesboro is just a place of people looking for something to do yeah mm-hmm. right if you ever been to statesboro georgia it's it's right there in the middle of nowhere they are looking for something to do. that's why people get in trouble so much because there's nothing to do so why not give them something fun to do give them something safe to do come you laugh and then whatever you do after that you know what i'm saying you're gonna do but let us be your party starter, because everybody going to party Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I saw the avenue of, all right, let's just give them something to do. Yeah, and not just there, just not just what you did with the comedy club, is how you turned that into other things you could do on campus. Because you went from, com- uh, comedy club came after the pageant, I want to say. Yeah, so, it did, yeah. No, actually, comedy club came first. It did? I don't no. remember the order, but anyway. But when you look at it, when that first comedy show came out, it was a hit. Mm-hmm. And it was it was something we, in all honesty, kind of threw together out of, it can't be that hard. But then we started to see, like, well, if we do this right, we can really gain some momentum and we can spread across crazy. campus. And We, we packed from, the theater on the first show. And oh, it was man, just, I got the recording. You got it? Somewhere. Honestly, yes. God, that, that. Put that on YouTube. Two, my two favorite shows is the very first one we did, where we packed out a whole theater on the first show. And then the... Uh, I don't think we did it as a collective, but it was our work that led it to us. Uh, the Spring Fest that I hosted with oh, Nicole yeah. Byers and uh, Alice Wetterman. Mm-hmm. Like, our work led me to do that because they came to me to say, hey, do you want to host this? Yeah, And, and even, that was in front of, like, it was a Hannah Field House in front of a couple thousand people. But You did that one. You did, you and Miles did. Black Shoes. We hosted yeah, Black Shoes. Y'all did another fashion show too, and then on Dale, top of that, Dale was there. Dale, was Dale there. did one. Oh. You did another one with uh, what was it Career Services when y'all had to dress up, and it was one of the few times they got Miles to put on shoes. Uh, <laughs> no, I remember that because he had the suit on with shoes and wheels. No, that was Black That was a Black one. That was a Black No, no, not Black Uh It was Career Services. Y'all in the Williamson. Oh, you know what? You're right. We did that. He probably don't remember that. And, nah, and See, then I'm, and then even when I grad well graduated the first time, they called me back to uh to host something right outside the rotunda. Uh with uh, I forgot her name. But it was it was it was school affiliated. And they gave me a parking spot and everything. I got the pictures. But it's 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 just 
this just speaks to the work that we did and that it's it's not my vision, but it's me putting it out there and then those people who can relate to that vision, everybody comes together and we all drove that together. Mm -hmm. So that's just what that was. And then, and then like to speak to the composition point, we all were determined to make things of it. Videos, YouTube videos and stuff. We did all type of stuff with it. Yeah, and I think like for me, like of course I wasn't um I wasn't active in the company club, but I did, you know, pay close attention and I got I definitely support you guys with it. And what I liked about how you guys took the comic club and just continue to develop it, it's especially when you guys start to bring in more people to join the, the organization. Um, I kind of seen it for, for y'all. Well, how I seen it for you guys was like um, like an outlet to kind of like blow off steam, therapy, you know what I'm saying? Just kind of have fun, you know, and pretty much kind of being productive while y'all all enjoy each other's presence. Because we, you know, for the most part, we were always active in um, organization by the Student African American Brotherhood. It was all active in that organization, but outside of that, it was like we still hung out, you know, sparked up the grill, kicked it, whatever. And you guys are so happy to have comedy as well. We all had comedy as like that that bridge of the gap, but you guys actually did the comedian thing. So for that, it's like when I would see you guys like start off like the five or six guys originally. And then I start to see, you know, one or two people come in. Or when I come to a comedy show, you guys at the pool hall just kind of working on your jokes. And I'll come and I see a new person on stage. I'm like, hmm, okay. I see, I see what's happening. You know, I see the momentum building. And overall, I see, like, people actually seeing something grow organically versus trying to join something that's already established and trying to conform. I feel like, how was that? How was that for you? I guess this question maybe targets to you and Jerry. How was that um, experience where y'all to see something grow organically from like pretty much from scratch into something that was like known for years after y'all after we all left? I've accomplished a lot in life personally. Like they ain't even really big big goals to other people. Yeah. But that is one of the that's one of the things I pat myself on the back for. Yeah. Not because of what it did for me, but <clears throat> like you said. You start, you start something from scratch. It's just an idea. Hey, you put this idea out there. If you like to do comedy or you even want to try it, come here. Come to this meeting. And from those meetings, we were able to put on shows. And those shows, we, don't, we honestly don't even know what they did for people. But it obviously did something if they kept coming back. Yeah. And that's, that's, that was my biggest thing, like... Because, like I said, it, it was a difficult time for me to really find my place in school before that. But it did something to know that other people were involved in this or in this circle, and they were determined to come and produce comedy, however they wanted to produce it. And then those people who came to enjoy the comedy, they're they're escaping something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. They come to our show to escape something yeah. or to to look forward to something. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it was seeing. How Nick was saying he found his place with that group. It was seeing other people find their places. Exactly. Because there were some people who came to the comedy club who were like, before before they interacted with us, it was like the antisocial guy who nobody really knew and nobody would talk to. And out of nowhere, now you get this guy on stage. You tell him, hey, just open up and be you. And he goes from being like the socially awkward guy to being one of the most liked people on campus. Actually, that happened twice. I was just one Jeremy. was Jeremy. Jeremy. Uh -huh. uh, I would say Big Dale. It helped yeah, him out Dale. tremendously. Yeah. And uh, Dion. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like you start to see people find themselves through comedy. Yeah. Not necessarily that wasn't the goal. It wasn't the goal. We just gave you a place to be yourself. But, and yeah. in that, you can see, you know, people find their place. And then to piggyback off of that, that just that just solidifies the point of if you build, like, I know it's kind of corny, but if you build it, they will come. People will gravitate towards you. Know, people, will come, people will gravitate towards you just because they see you in your natural habitat, being yourself in the best way. And you really just having a good time doing what you like to do. And so it's like, I had to, you know, I know for me, at one point in time, I had to really tell myself, like, yo, stop trying to hold yourself back of, you know, showcasing of who you are, who, what's your interests, what's your, what you dislike, or whatever, and just, and just live your life, bro. So, and then as I started to do that, that's when I started to see the right people gravitate towards me. The right people came, came into my life. The, the bad people or the people who wasn't meant to be in my life and got out of my life. Mm -hmm. And I seen it as like a checks and balances type of system versus trying to please everybody. Yeah. So let me switch gears a little bit. When, because so far all of this has been Nick trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. When did you start to figure it out? And how did you know you were on the right path? I ain't figured it out. I ain't gonna lie to you. I mean, honestly, yeah, I ain't figured it out. But, but I will say, if I had to answer that question, when I did graduate officially, that's when I was like, "This is it, everything is lining up." When when you go through these things, it may seem like when you're going through it, everything's out of whack. But once you go through enough stuff and you see how everything had to line up just for you to get through it, just to get through it you know you're in the right spot, right? Mm -hmm. So I was able to go back and finish, 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 because my job allowed it as a flight attendant. So I uh, graduated in 2014. I failed the class because of what I went through. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can we're going to get, but there was a reason I failed the class. But I walked across the stage. I did the show, you know what I'm saying? But I knew when I walked across that stage, I was failing the class. And I had to finish that class. Mm -hmm. So it lined up to where I can come back. At, and, the, and the class I had to take, I had to go to Statesboro to take it. So that was like a, am I really going to graduate or am I going to let everybody think I did? Right. But it lined up where I can do it because I had to go Tuesdays and Thursdays and my schedule allowed me to do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So when you start seeing them things line up like that, you know you're in the right spot. Like, it don't become effortless. You just need to be and respond. Be and respond. Like, be where you need to be and respond when the opportunity comes. You know what I'm saying? And so, that's how I start to feel like I'm feel, I'm, I'm figuring things out. Okay. But uh, as, as it stands right now, I ain't got it all figured out. Nah, I ain't gonna lie to you. So, now, not really switching gears, mm -hmm. just fast forwarding a little bit through the story. A lot of people who come to your website now mm -hmm. uh, and, and listen to your podcast as we're coming back out, uh, they started listening to you first for your travel advice uh, and just seeing the places you would go. I know you did the, I, I would say it was a really good branding with the hat, uh -huh. uh, the traveling hat. Uh -huh. How how important is travel to you? Because I, I know because I talked to you, but... How important is it? It's very... Because... I'm not a I'm not a person that can sit still for too long. Mm -hmm. I need I need to be on the move. And it's been like that. I was little. I was a military kid, so 
we were, I was born in Germany. We went to Illinois, Texas, Georgia. I've been on the move. So I've always been the new kid. I've always been the one on the on the, the new one on the scene. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'm I've been used to that. Mm-hmm. I've been used to being the person that just comes in and, and got to figure it out. So Georgia has been the longest I've ever stayed in one spot since we've been here in '93 to the time I graduated high school. So that's why I taking a job in Massachusetts as a camp counselor is a no-brainer. I'm good with just being away. I'm good with being the new person in new surroundings. New surroundings to me is not, it's not foreign. Like I'm, I'm good. I'm good in new surroundings. That's where you learn about yourself. So travel has always been a part of my life. And to speak to my post on my website, uh, my father is, was actually a flight attendant for uh, Air Force One, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't necessarily grow up with him, but he would always send me postcards from all these places. And I would collect those postcards when I was younger. And I would say, listen, I'm going to get to this spot. I'm going to get here. He would send me postcards like, hey, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. I would collect them and put them in my bottom drawer. And I'm like, I'm going to go to the places one day. And as life lined up, I ended up being a flight attendant. And it was important to go see these places. Because as you, as, I don't want to... Uh, I don't want to undermine anybody's thoughts, but people think that you got to go out the country to travel. You don't. You can go outside your city and find something new in the next city over. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. You can go to the next state over and find something new that you never knew about. It's, everywhere has their own culture. So you go to North Georgia, you're in the mountains. You go to Savannah, you're on the river. Two totally different places, but it's all in that same state. But people got to have their mindset to go experience new new places yeah and I've always I've always been that person that wants to go see those places mm-hmm. whether it's local or distant and I've always been intrigued by going to see it because you learn from that's it. dope so like what made you like so you know for you know we know because we are you know we are close but what made you choose the Atlanta hat oh, just like the whole concept behind you know taking a photo where every place you go you kind of like taking a photo to capture that moment. What made you actually start doing that? I ain't gonna lie to you, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not honestly. I ain't gonna. I'm, I'm, not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. I I used to wear my hat all the time. Yeah, you did. That Atlanta hat. Like yeah. if you would look at older older pictures, I, know, I would bro. be wearing it. Yeah. So <clears throat> my whole thing was to find a stick. Yeah. Okay. With my traveling, because a lot of people. Like, I, I would read my social media. I'm that type of person. I would read it. Like, people like this picture because I'm in it. People like this picture because it's just that. So I would put the hat. I, I don't know. I just took a picture of the hat one day. Yeah. And people was like, oh, like, 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 like. So I was like, all right. You don't Keep like me. Going. You like the hat. You just like put <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Honestly. No, I, honestly, that's I the only it. way something oh. like that can only, that's the only way something like that can come out. Like, I just threw the hat down. And I was like, I'm going to just take a picture. This is a picture of my Atlanta hat here. And then there's a picture of my Atlanta hat here. And then it just kind of caught on. Yeah. I don't even know how it caught on, honestly. It's just people would, like, oh. And then hearing people say, but where the hat at? Where the hat at? I didn't, even think, I didn't know people was watching it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I would, before it had, it got its own Instagram page now. But before it did, I would put it on my page. And people were like, oh, where the hat going to be at? Like, nigga, I was there too. I was there. But I was there too. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, people, nah. people 
people honestly think that the hat was just doing its own thing. Yeah. And I, would, I started listening to that. I was like, oh, it needs its own page. Because people are responding to that. So when people respond to something, you just kind of got to read it. You got to yeah. give it its See, own thing. One thing, thing I want to point out, for me knowing you, and I've known you while social media was growing. Mm-hmm. So I could always see you have a very niche knack for finding where the attention is. Mm-hmm. Even when we were building the comedy club, you could you could see something that we couldn't see immediately. Mm-hmm. Where there was a time that guy fell off the roof. Nick was like, hey, <laughs> I ain't calling nobody I'm out. Sorry, that's fine. That's I was fine. like, yo, bingo. One second, we're going to take a quick pause. Let's reset the, reset the recording. Everybody that's listening, we'll be back in a second. So when he fell off the roof, <laughs> Nick goes, hey, this is our moment. Get on Photoshop. We finna Photoshop as many pictures as we can of him falling off the roof. And we funny. were like, and, and at first we didn't get it. It was like, Nick, one, the only two people that knew how to use Photoshop was me and Nick. Right. So really, he wasn't talking yeah, to everybody. He was talking to me. And I'm like, Nick, that's a lot of work. I got homework. He's like, no, trust me. He said, this is what's going to make the comedy show. And I think that was right before the first comedy show. Yeah. He said, this yeah. is what's going to make the comedy show hit. Yeah. So I said, you know what? He sees something I don't see because, you know, Nick was older than me. And you always, you always gave me good advice. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this is something I don't see. So let me go ahead and just, all right, so what we finna do? He was like, put it in a whole bunch of funny positions and throw, uh, I think this is before memes was a thing. Uh, so let's go ahead and throw memes on it uh, to make it make it go. And we started just putting them out. And after like the third one, it was like the third or fourth one out of nowhere on Twitter, one of them just took off. You just see likes, retweets, and people. And then next thing you know, Nick said, all right, now tell everybody about the comedy club. And we put out the comedy show. And and just like he said, it instantly, boom, boom, boom. And everyone's going, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. These dudes are funny. And I think that was an amazing moment. And us, the first time we could see your eye for attention, uh, and when I say attention, knowing where everyone's focus is about to go is, and even now, when we look at your blog posts, they're not, you can tell from knowing you, there's an intention behind why this one is coming out now and why that one is coming out later. Because I'm like, I know Nick, if Nick's doing this, he probably has a vault of stuff already planned out but he's choosing what goes where and it's some type of science behind it what is you don't have to give away your secret i, don't I, want you to I mean ain't no where secret. is it you got to read the room man you got to know the post if i'm putting out something i'm obviously targeting a demographic or i'm targeting an audience an audience so if you and like i said i i like when i post something when i post something over time I kind of read how people react. Who liking this? Who like this? Who's responding to this? Who responded to that? So you kind of read your audience. So let's just, you speak on like the college one. It, obviously that's time relevant. As soon as you graduate, drop that. The uh, fatherhood one, when I speak about my childhood with my, my dad and my father, that was a no-brainer. Father's Day. Mm-hmm. Like it was on my mind for a long time, years, to write it. But that like leading up to Father's Day, I was like, I gotta write it. I gotta write it. So I released it on Father's Day. And then my most recent one with my job, I dropped it when they paid me, but. That's fine. No, and the funny yeah. part, even the timing for that one was perfect because it was 
you know, everything with uh, COVID and the pandemic, mm-hmm. it like it came out right at the tail end of it, where people were thinking about it but not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But now everyone's talking about it. people don't have jobs, and then it came out right there. Why I quit my job? And people are like, yeah. why would you quit a job right. in the middle of a pandemic? Right. And then you read it, and you're like, hey, this is this is it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's honestly, it just gets to the point where, like, I, like you said, I do have a lot of ideas of what I want to write. But it'll get to the point where it's in my mind so much, I literally be laying at, I be laying in the bed, and it's like I gotta write it right now. I just write, I just write it, and then just drop it when it needs to be dropped. I don't know why, why I drop it when it needs to be dropped, but it'll be something that comes up. So if you if you stay ready, you ain't gotta get ready. You heard yeah. that. So you have these things lined up, and then you strike while the iron's hot, like you said with old boy that fell off the roof. Like, yeah, all right, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> we got to strike yeah. while the iron's hot. I appreciate that, We bro. need to go ahead and do this. So, like, if something comes up where, like, I was telling uh, Kennedy with, uh, I got a post about being an extra in a the movie. There's going to be a time when something comes up in the news, right, about being an extra or something happened to an extra, I'll drop it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So you got to have those things ready. And my job is just to be ready. When opportunity knocks, Take advantage. No, that makes sense. That's cool. Yeah, no, actually, no, I think that's one thing that actually helped us go ahead and start off the hustle. Just being able to, so much, I wouldn't say that we was like absolutely waiting for a specific moment to start a podcast. We've talked, I know we've all talked about doing a podcast or so just getting into telling our own stories and our own ways and really just starting to, as we started to build momentum in other avenues, it was like, Let's, this is the moment where we just need to go ahead and strike while, while we have the, the time and also have the means to do what we need that we want to do in reference to this podcast idea. And what I see us now is, you know, we're in a space now where we're seeing ourselves having to be one or two steps ahead mm-hmm. to make sure that we're prepared for whatever comes um, our way in the, in the near or far future. So. I think that's kind of like, I'm kind of glad that you said that because it's like, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And we had a conversation the other day. Yeah. And I was like, I ain't going to go into detail, but honestly, it's a, it's a double-edged sword for me because a lot of ideas I have will never get out because I never feel like the opportunity is coming. And it'll, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of things I got in a vault or whatever you want to say, I have never come to the light because... I don't put the work towards it like it's like it should be, and uh, it 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 sucks. You know what I'm saying? Because I wish I had the determination to do everything equally, but like I said, those things that those things that need to be out, they come out, and then the universe is gonna tell you they're gonna you, they'll respond to it. You drop it, they'll respond. Mm-hmm. People tell me all the time. Used to write about how you travel, or tell me, tell me about these places and all that. Oh, so maybe I should do that. You know what I'm saying? Or you like your job? How is it being a flight attendant? I can give you that answer, but it ain't gonna be the real answer. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in a position. I'm gonna tell you the real answer. Here it go. If I tell you that answer while I'm working, I'd have got fired. No, yeah. Honestly, if I'd have wrote that post while I'm employed, I'd have got fired. I've heard from that company. Oh, like since you, since the post is actually yeah. <laughs> they called me. They sent letters. 
That's when you know wow. somebody's serious. When somebody's in mail, they're serious. And then, and then, so to speak back to your earlier question, when you're dealing with how do you know you figured it out, when the response is that great, yeah. right? When I start telling my story about how I dropped out and what I went through, and people, and, and this is uh, a big Chris doing, he would have those, uh, those classes for freshmen mm -hmm. that are on academic probation. I would go to those classes and tell them how I dropped out and how I'm figuring out my way. And those students would come back and he would show me the, the notes that they wrote. Like, when the speaker said this, I related to that. And, and I, I, I liked when he said this. That motivated me to do this. He would show me those notes. And then that's when I started realizing, like, hey, I got a story here. You know what I'm saying? And now when I'm starting to tell my stories about my father, so many people respond to it like, damn, I, damn, that's, that was deep. You know what I'm saying? I can relate to that. Or I have to tell, my, tell about my college journey. Wow, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm in that position. I'm 28, 30 years old in college. I'm glad you said that. That's motivation. And then with the most recent one, the fact that it even got to company level, where they contacted me about what they what I wrote on the website, that's deep. You gotta think about that. Yeah. I wrote something on the website. And it's not like you did any like of the fancy SEO stuff and nothing like that. No, you organically I didn't, I didn't said, hey, in, I, didn't didn't put, I didn't send it to them. Yeah, yeah. you organically sent it to people and you know. Yeah, yeah. I sent it out and then the people who related to it made it big. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then from that, the people who hated it. Sent it to them. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. And but that just shows the that just shows the high level of influence that it picked up over, you know, after it released and showing that, you know, no matter where people may stand with you, either with you or against you, they're gonna be influenced in some kind of way to either support you or try to find a way to go against you. I put you. it like this, if what I said was whack or what if I said was weak, it would never reach past the first person. Yeah. Mm. That's what that's how I think of it. If you read it and you was like, "What are you talking about?" Mm -hmm. It would have never went past you. So that's how you read the room. People responded to it. I got something to say. You know what I'm saying? So this yeah. is how I go about it. Yeah. And I, I want to tie all that into talking about the road less travel. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of, and this is my outside looking in, a lot of you knowing the timing of correct things and when, when how to read the room comes from you taking a path that everyone else didn't take. Mm -hmm. So you can read more rooms than everybody else. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, I mean, just, I'm not perfect with it, but it's just a matter of, I, I honestly respect reasons and seasons. There's a reason I'm going through what I'm going through right now because there's a lesson that I need to learn from this. It's not perfect, mm -hmm. I'm not perfect, but understand that I'm going through this for a reason. I'm gonna find out today, I'm gonna find out tomorrow, I'm gonna find out next week. But you gotta respect it enough to say that this ain't just some bullshit. Like, I'm going through it for a reason. Yeah. Right? I'm dealing with these people for a reason. Learn from it. Because that's gonna teach you for the next lesson. That's real, man. Yeah, so kind of like, so, you're, so after you graduate, you finally finish college, and now you're transitioning to more of the, I want to say permanent, but I said you're starting to go deeper into the workforce. Did you automatically, you know, uh, go straight into being a flight attendant, or did you kind of like figure some things out before that, that, that part? Uh, when I graduated, I was a gate agent, and I was sick of it. Yeah. So 
I was just like, I'm either going to quit or I'm going to find another job within this company. And I never wanted to be a flight attendant. But like I said earlier, it just so happened I was. Mm -hmm. My father was one. It's just funny how things line up. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I never wanted to be one. Yeah. I, hate, I hated the thought of what a flight attendant was. It didn't fit me. But the opportunity presented itself to be one. So I was like, I'm going to take it or else I'm going to quit. Mm -hmm. So I just became one. Yeah, so like, so of course, like as you said, flight attendant wasn't pretty much like the main industry that you were trying to be in. Um, like, what was that? Like, what was that? Uh, or what it probably still is your, you know, uh, natural thing that's kind of grab that you naturally gravitate towards. Is it like sports? Is it you know comedy? Is it something else that you're trying to that you end uh, up pursuing? That's what this time is right now. Yeah. Last time I worked uh, on a job was April first. This is October what? October so, 7th. Yeah, October 7th. October something. 17th. 17th? No, maybe. Let's know. give it about yeah. six or seven months. I yeah. haven't worked. I'm using this time right now to sit, be still, and figure it out. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of got it figured out where I want to do. I know I want to teach. I know I want to coach. That's still there. Yeah. But I just, I just I need to be obedient to this time because over the past three years, I've been on the move. Working as a flight attendant, I never sat home longer than probably a couple of days. If I wasn't on vacation, I wasn't at home longer than a couple of days. I got a 10-year-old and a 2-year-old. You know what I'm saying? With my son, I was in it. Not in and out. I don't want to say it like that, but I was going to school. I was trying to figure it out. So I kind of missed a lot of important stuff. Yeah, so now with my daughter, I mean, I was still there for the important things, but it's just... It's different when you're at home every day. Mm -hmm. no, no, I and I haven't been at home every day for a long time. That's real. A long time. So yeah. I'm using this time to figure out what it is. Yeah, and I'm glad that you, you mentioned your son. You know, you met, um, <laughs> for those who probably don't know, you know, yeah, you say you have a son, you have a daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, both kids look just like him. Yeah, so... Um, but I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, of course, I know that we both know that, you you know, you and your son have a real tight relationship, you know, he looks up to you, you know, definitely kind of starts, if I had to, you know, assume anything, I can, I'm proud to say, it's safe to assume that you and your son have that same close-knit relationship as you did, as you do with your father, and, and like you said, you, you, your father was a, a flight attendant, he was kind of traveling all over, you know, in a lot of places, um, and you kind of had the same thing. Even I, even before you becoming a flight attendant, you was like kind of finishing school. You was think, doing things that required you to be away from home. How did that, in any kind of way, did it help strengthen the relationship with you and your son, or did it actually? Did you and your son kind of find some challenges as he was growing up initially up to now, or you know, did y'all, or did that actually help? bring y'all stronger together. I'm going to correct you. Yeah. My father, the flight attendant. Yeah. I didn't grow up with him. Gotcha. Okay. But he still influenced me to travel. Okay. And direct him. He was, like I said, he was sending postcards and stuff. My yeah. dad that I grew up with, that's mm -hmm. my dad, that relationship is the relationship. I was just on the phone with him. You heard yeah, the yeah, phone yeah. call. Mm -hmm. We laughing or whatever. That's the relationship I build my relationship with my son on. Gotcha. Okay. He taught me how to be a man, how to be a son, how to be a father. So that whole dynamic, that's what I use every day to, to raise my son. 
know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. No slight to my father, but my dad is the one who taught me everything I, I do every on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, what was the question? I'm sorry. No, 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 pretty much like so. And I appreciate you for letting me know that I actually didn't know that. So, my um, pretty much my main question is this. Kind of seeing, kind of seeing like the comparison and seeing how like they both kind of mirror each other. Mm -hmm. Your experience and when you know you growing mm -hmm. up and your son's experience with you now recently being able to be at home more often mm -hmm. and of course be more attentive with the family. Like it's not like you never fell off. Like I, I, yeah. I always say, like you always had a strong uh, bond with the, with your son at that time and with your mm -hmm. you know, with your not wife. Did you like? Did you face any challenges like with raising your son, with like kind yeah. of being out of the home? Oh hell yeah, yeah. man! Because you want to move all the time. Imagine trying to discipline a ten year old over the phone. That's real. You know what I'm saying? I'm in Boise, Idaho. Like yo, when I get home, you up? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> in two weeks. Like, <laughs> in two weeks, <laughs> you better watch out. If I remember, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ain't clean your room. I'm a what? Thursday night, you're done. That is Monday. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I it's got all week to clean his room. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. He ain't even worried about it. So it, I do. That was when that was the, honestly the biggest challenge with working that job, being away from home, and you know what I'm saying. My wife taking the, taking the the butt of everything. Mm. You know what I'm saying. Picking the kids up from daycare, making sure they do their homework, cooking and all that. And I'm, I'm living it up in damn Des Moines, Iowa, or something. You know what I'm saying. But uh, that was my biggest. That was my biggest hang-up with the job. Like, yeah. Even though I wasn't really missing, because I would make my schedule to where I'm at. I'm there for the important things, oh, spelling bees yeah. and games and all that. I'm there for that. But the day-to-day -day life, I'm not experiencing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'll be, like, coming home like, man, why are you so worn out? All they did was, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, what you mean you worn out? Hey, hey, you ain't do nothing. She looking at you like, man, this boy's tripping. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now I'm home every day. I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, hell. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's right. is his own goal for wake up to night, night time. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm seeing that. Yeah. So now I was like, all right. I, not I apologize because I didn't, I didn't blame anything, but I see. Mm -hmm. I see. I'm not finally a father, but I am at home every day now to where, all right, I understand. You was tired, because I'm tired. These people are on go all the time. You got to feed them. You got to, you know what I'm saying? This one, this one's running around the house. This one's doing whatever she want to do. But, um, I mean, it's just, that was my biggest hang up with the job. I wasn't there every, the day-to-day -day life, that's what you need to be there for. Not just big stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's what I'm seeing now. Like, it's like, when you made that decision, when you made that, that big decision of, you know, changing careers and parting ways with um, your career as a flight attendant, like, how was that conversation taking place with you and your wife and you sitting down, much and such, just kind of thinking about how you're going to still move forward? Uh, I mean, like, it was a no-brainer. If you know the situation. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I it was a no-brainer if you know the situation. But there's still a conversation that needs to happen. Like, you got to weigh your pros and cons with mm -hmm. anything. Yeah. I need to sit down and know, all right, if I do this, what do I got backed up? What do I win from doing this, right? Mm -hmm. And then if I do it, what what's going to hurt me in the long run? I ain't going to have a job, right? I ain't going to have no job. This is the first time I ain't never – I've worked with this company for 10 years. I ain't never had to look for a job over the past 10 years. So I was spoiled with that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm saying that now, but 
like I said, it was a perfect opportunity. Everything lined up. I got my, you know what I'm saying? I got my money. I got my benefits lined up. Everything lined up. So it was, uh, it was just a matter of, are you okay with me making this decision that I need to make? Rather than a, we need to make a decision. Okay. You know what I'm saying? That's just what it was. It was like, are you okay with the possibility of, I got to wait and find a job. I need to find out, you know what I'm saying? I got to pass this test to be able to teach. I got to find what I really want to do. Because over the past years, I've been doing this. Is that really what I want to keep doing? So let me ask, what's next? What's next for Nick Harris? <coughs> I know uh, technically already answered, but you know. No, no. I mean, what's next <laughs> is what? All right. What do I want to happen next? Yeah, that, that's want, a better way to phrase it. Yeah. I want to pass the the case, which allows you to teach history, history, and uh, high school history. Ideally, this is this is my scenario. You know, you teach high school history, you coach basketball at my alma mater, Stevenson High School. Ideally, that's what I want to happen. Mm-hmm. What does happen? I don't know. I mean, like, it, it sucks because you sit down and you realize you apply for these jobs. Over the past 10 years, I've been working as a, in the customer service industry. I hate the customer service industry. But all you can get is but, jobs in. You know what I'm saying? Like, what I look like applying for a job that I really haven't got the qualifications for. Even though I know I can do that job, but when you're dealing in a competitive market, they're going to look at those things and say, well, shit, you've been doing this. You ain't really ready for this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So... I'm finding that out right now. Like, so at, at some point, I got to swallow my pride or step up to the plate. I'm going to swallow my pride and say, all right, I need to get back into this industry what I, I have experience in and, and get that next level job at another place, wherever it may be. Mm-hmm. Or I need to step up to the plate, grind, study for this test, pass it, and then, you know what I'm saying, move on from there. Yeah, I think you're. I think you'll definitely make a uh, make a great teacher, mm-hmm. as well as a great, you know, um, example for the youth to um, kind of like just kind of see as a cornerstone of what what it means to really go through life, still be able to enjoy, make it worthwhile, and know that hey, you don't have to have everything figured out, right. in, you know, in that moment. Yeah. Um, but you definitely gotta be able to do something. You gotta be able to move, you know, make something shape. And the reason, I, you know, I can only, I can see it now. I can see you, you know, the students really gravitating towards you, asking you about the travels that you've gone, your life story, as well as being able to share their stories with you. And I think that's probably the biggest thing about when I think about traveling. Just talking with you, you know, and today is making me uh, re- remind myself that traveling doesn't always have to be physical. Traveling can also be mental and how you travel within your own mindset. How does your mindset grow? How does it learn? How does it learn about, you know, what it needs to work on? How does it learn about what its strengths and weaknesses are? It's so many things that you can, you know, when you go through your life, the biggest travel experience is the travel of the mind and how it grows and how it develops. Well, you deep as shit. Uh, I like how you did that. Hey, deep. <laughs> I ain't said none of that, but I will take that. Yes, that's exactly what I said. Thank you. That's, that, Thank that's you, where bro. I was going. I'm glad y'all finally caught on after all this time. I'll take that as the perfect end to this episode. Uh, before we go, I do want to do one thing. Uh, Nick, you have oh, yeah. such amazing platforms. Let everybody know where they can read your blogs, where they can find the hat, where they can find you. Uh, and uh, the website is the one in h.com uh, the hat is on Instagram the one hat 
Uh, everything else is the one in H. So my Twitter, my Instagram, my Facebook, the one in H. That's just where I, and I'm just, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, I'm, I'm gauging everything. I'm figuring out where people like to read this and where people want to hear this story at. So the, the website is the best way to figure out everything I'm going through. Not everything, but what, uh, what stories I'm putting out or what travel guys I'm putting out. So right now, it's a mixture of me putting a travel guide together of every single city I've been to in the world. And then when you when you go, you'll know what I ate, you'll know what I saw, and you know what I did. Okay. Instead of you know what I'm saying, because most people will call you like, "Damn, what you did in Kansas City? I'm going there next week." I go to my website, figure not not not, not to send no, them off, but that'll be a guide to those people because I feel like I'm I'm experienced enough to be able to tell you, all right, when you go to Omaha, Nebraska, they got one of the best zoos in in the nation, which it's, I found out. It's like one of the modern versions of, and now this isn't, back in the day uh, when racism was more overt, uh, I said more, mm -hmm. uh, there was the Negro maps where you could go, where they'd actually have like, hey, you can't go to this city because of this, 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 mm -hmm. and this. It's best to go here. They have this. It's like a modern version of that, except it's more catered toward, hey, if you're trying to have a good time, you're trying right, to go yeah. to this Who, city. Well, hey, like, I, I told you, my <laughs> wrap-up game is amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, hey, you can works, go here right. and check this out. Yeah. This is to be amazing. This will be amazing. And, I mean, yeah, cause, so. I mean, shit, honestly, I know y'all trying to wrap it up, but when you watch the Travel Channel and shit, they tell you to like the cookie-cutter places. Like, really you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, like, I, a lot of purpose that I took out into traveling was to go to those places that they said, and I would find like a lot of them food places sucked. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, who the fuck recommended this? So now let me put out my places. Not that I you should just trust my word, but I feel like my my experiences are more relatable to. Yeah, because I think when I went to Toronto, I hit you up and said, hey, what's something I should try? You were like, poutine. Yeah, poutine. <laughs> poutine, what is yeah. that? And then, and, and ironically, I'm in the, uh, it's the huge hotel that's like right down the street mm -hmm. from the uh, from the stadium, but I think it was a Marriott. Not a Marriott. It's, it's, it's not Marriott. It's high class, but I'm I'm there, and there, I'm like, y'all got poutine? And they was like, oh, do we? And they roll out <laughs> like, because uh, like, I was at a conference, they roll out this huge table of nothing but everything you need to make poutine your way. And I get there and I'm like, this ain't nothing but French fries with gravy. gravy. Why French did you just gravy. say that? Right. I would have ate French this yesterday. French fries with a little cheese or whatever. Oh my God. And it's amazing, man. <laughs> Honestly, and I'm, I'm keep it short, but it's what traveling really taught me. Everything is second nature now. Like if I ask you right now where to go eat in Atlanta, you'll tell me. Yeah. But you can ask me where to go in Cleveland and I just know it. And like that's crazy to me. Because shit, ten years ago I didn't know nothing. Hey man, you should go on YouTube, start your own channel, and do that, the one in eight. Sorry, so channel. you ask me what's next. My son is next. Okay. That's I got something for him. Okay. All right, we just went to Seattle. I saw. Kind of did like a little test run with him. So, really, what's next is his his venture. Yeah. Okay. Everywhere I've been, I'm gonna take him. Uh, mm. gonna be All right. So that's part of me dumb. leaving the company was they still allow us to fly. And I'm a, I can let that out here, but he's going to go to all the places, and I'm going to let him experience it and tell about his uh, view. And now he's going to have a YouTube page on it. That's not so that nice. is what's next for me. Not career-wise, because money don't never move me. Money going to come. I'm going to find that shit. But for me, 
this is me not sending him postcards. Not, and I hate to say that, but it's not a slight. No, 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 but no, this no, is no, me walking him through yeah. those places. It's your yeah. version of it. Right. This is me yeah. showing him the world. Yeah. Right. The same thing that was given to me to show the world, I'm actually going to take him and show him. And so, that's what's next for me. Yeah. And, and just to phrase it a little bit different, because it wasn't a slight, is you taking it to the next level. Right. Okay. So yeah, you're yeah, not so doing me, this is me taking, taking what, him there. Right. This is me taking what my father gave me to the next level. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. take him all these places. I'm gonna have him, you know, what I'm saying record. We got this whole setup. I'm a, it's no, no. it's we'll probably gonna take a we'll while wait. to get to it, but the idea is is foolproof. Like yeah. it's foolproof. I people know if people we love him. GoPro, Nick gonna have one. Nah, people yeah. love him, man. <laughs> people love him. People be like, yo, you gotta get him a YouTube page. So this is the perfect yeah fusion of it. And before we close out, you know, of course, you know, we just got a couple more questions because you pretty much, you know, I had what's uh, up. How about we do this? Because let's wrap up this episode. We're going to record those questions independently. If you want to see them, check out our YouTube page, yes, uh, Off the Hustle Podcast. Uh, so if you want to catch the rest of this interview, that's where you're going to find it. Uh, but for this episode, we're wrapping up. We want to say thank you, oh, Nick, yeah. for uh-huh. coming out. Hey, we got to push these, push these streams. Uh, thank you, Nick, for coming out. Uh, Amari, you got anything to add before we switch hey, over man, to YouTube? I think YouTube I got, I think I got my, my closing card already. So, man, I definitely want to say. Y'all got an OnlyFans page for this podcast? Hey, thanks about it. <laughs> <laughs> that, this is, now, this is, no, hey, no. Hey, you want to subscribe? You got to subscribe over here. You got to see the exclusive. Hey, well, you playing? Hey, man. Nah, I'm Only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. Hey, push nah. them streams. Hey, but man. I appreciate y'all, man. This is I'm, I'm loving what y'all doing, man, for real. Like, I've seen this from the grounds. The roots, man. I've seen y'all come up with these oh, ideas, man. man. This is dope. Trust me, this is only the beginning, dog. Yeah, for sure. And we're glad the fact, you know, that you just continue to support us and vice versa. So, uh, remember that this podcast is 100% free, and the only thing you got to pay is to share it. So, this has been Jared. This is Amari. Peace. Peace. That's it. Episode is over. Hey, if you're on Apple, subscribe, review, and give us a rating. Yeah, man. We definitely want to hear back from you. As we continue to grow this platform, we want to make sure that we're actually giving you the content that you need and the content that you actually want. So reach out to us. Let us know what you want. Peace. That's it.